Hello, it's so good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability. This is the podcast where we help you lead on sustainability to deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, longtime sustainability consultant and trainer, and co founder of Realize Earth. These next 10 years are probably the most I don't want to be too grand but probably the most important human history right like you know this what we do now is going to determine the future of our planet like how lucky are we that we get to work (laughs) in this point in time and to focus on the things we get to focus on really inspiring words there and what I found even more inspiring was the way Kate is leading real change, not just in her own organisation, but across the whole sector. Kate Wallace Lockhart is Head of Sustainability with SSE Renewables. As she says, it's easy to think that renewable equals green, equals good, equals sustainable, but it's much more complicated than that. In this episode, she talks about how she and others across the industry are working to create a circular economy to break the link between business growth and resource use. I asked Kate to start by giving us a bit of context about SSE Renewables and her role in the business. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And yes, I'm Head of Sustainability for SC Renewables. So SSE overall is an energy company headquartered in Perth in Scotland and involved in lots of different parts of the the energy system. So we have the transmission networks in the north of Scotland, the distribution networks in North Scotland and um, Southern England. We've got thermal power generation across the UK and Ireland. Um, So some of the most efficient CCGT uh, plants on the planet at the moment. So our favourite fact is um, we're building more offshore wind than any other organisation in the world at the moment as SSC Renewables, including the world's largest offshore wind farm, which is just off the northeast coast in uh, England. So yeah, it's um, it's a very exciting uh, company to be part of. And, and just last year, we put sustainability right at the core of our business strategy. That's something I think is really fascinating because I guess it one sort of instinctive response is like, well, you know, renewable company, that's low carbon, that's a good thing. But what else is there to worry about? I mean, okay, okay the birds flying into the turbines and that you know, visual impact and stuff. But apart from like, what is, where does sustainability fit into all of this? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And I think that maybe um, there is there is a temptation to just think renewables equals green equals good equals sustainable. And it is a lot more complex than that. So if we're thinking about how we build out renewables, then there are lots of things that we should be thinking about from a sustainability perspective in its widest sense. And really that's what my job is and what my team's job is too. So, so I just joined SC Renewables last year and I've been building the team out since then, but I've been within the wider SC company for 10 years now. Um, but we're looking at all different parts of um, sustainability so we've got someone that's looking at climate and carbon so what you know if we think about our carbon emissions as an organization what's our business carbon footprint how do we tackle supply chain emissions if we think about turbines and embodied carbon within steel and concrete which make up a large proportion of our turbines then how are we going to decarbonize them over time which will be absolutely critical to to net zero everything about the way you know right now we can really see the severe consequences of the changes in 
and, and weather and what does that mean as an organisation? So what we're doing around cli climate mitigation, adaptation, if we think about um, our social impacts, what are we doing around a fair and just transition? How are we working with communities and ensuring good work practices? So there's all these different elements and, and let alone, you know, things like biodiversity or circularity, which I'm sure we're yeah. going to get onto as well. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, there are lo loads of different elements. It's really how do we transition to net zero and build out the renewables we need in a way that respects our planetary boundaries um, and the natural world? So what's got you most um, sort of excited or fired up about sustainability recently? I think I just feel like it's the exact right time to change things. I mean, you know, the best time to change it probably would have been a good while ago. But in the absence of that, um, you know, right now we're in a moment where people are kind of starting to properly wake up to, to what needs to happen. And actually, we've got the power to, to influence and change it. And for me, renewables is one of the most important industries moving forward. And these next 10 years are probably the most, I don't want to be too grand, but probably the most yeah. important in human history, right? Like, yeah. you know, this, what we do now is going to determine the future of our planet like how lucky are we that we get to work in the, this point in time and to focus on the things we get to focus on absolutely i sometimes think it's um you know this this sort of the time we're in at the moment is is so exciting just because of that you know but i at the same time i wish we'd done you know we'd had this level of energy and enthusiasm 25 years ago yeah, when the challenges a... would have been so much less Totally. You, you, may, uh, you know, our energy consumption was so much lower at that time and, and so all sorts of things, but we are where we are. So you've been working in this field for a while in you know, different different guises, but, but so over that period, is there a particular moment, particular project you're sort of particularly proud of? I actually think the example would be what we're doing now um, as an industry around circular economy. So for us when we're thinking about our sustainability strategy what we what we want to achieve is essentially breaking that bond between the growth of our business the growth of renewables with resource use amongst other things and, and we want you know positive impacts as well but that dependency that we have now on more growth equals more consumption that you know we we have one one planet with finite resources right that's not going to work so we need to think differently and um, we need to move away from a linear model um for the economy and, and towards one that is genuinely circular so one of the first things i did actually when um i joined sc renewables was we signed uh, a memorandum of understanding with um a small company based in lock gilped called renewable parts limited who offer circular solutions um, for minor component parts. We've been working with them for a while, so we signed an agreement with, with Renewable Parts and with Strathclyde University. And really what that said was, it was a bit of a, a stake in the ground to say, look, this is, we're serious about this. This is what we're gonna focus on right now. And what it committed us to was, was three things. So the first was that we would increase the circularity of our in-service operational fleet. So we've got about two gigawatts right now of onshore operations um, across the UK and Ireland. By fleet in this context, you mean turbines? Isn't it? And yeah, yeah, sorry, onshore wind turbines. <laughs> so we've currently got 1,068 turbines in operation that we're responsible for. So um, so we said that we would work systematically to increase circularity of our many component parts, that we'd think about, well, 
when it get when a turbine gets to the end of its life, then how do we actually start to build in sustainability into the decision making process for what happens, whether that's repowering or decommissioning or um, life extension. And then the third element was that we want what we said was essentially renewable parts is a wonderful company. They're they're brilliant, innovative, creative thinkers that just, you know, if if all companies were to like renewable parts, then we'd have a, a fairly different looking economy. Um, but essentially what we said is they're one company and they can offer everything that we need. And actually the, the size of the prize here is massive for the UK and for Scotland. Actually, if we start to build a supply chain that can offer the circular solutions that we want to see within our wind farms, then we can, you know, we can grow a whole new sector that can offer something new and different, and not just to the UK and Scotland, but to other con countries too. So, what we've done is, is we've been working for the last year or so to set up something called the Coalition for Wind Industry Circularity. Um, so that's called Quick for short. And essentially, what Quick does is is just is setting up that whole new industry for for the UK. So what we're looking to do is to bring together um, our direct competitors um, as as renew big renewables developers to build it to bring in the OEMs. So, you know, you've got your your big turbine suppliers like Vestas, GE Renewables, Siemens Gamesa, but you've got other ones too. But also thinking about, okay, well, what about smaller companies that want to get into this space, but aren't sure how to, or aren't sure, you know, what their offering would be. And then also getting, you know, trade bodies like Scottish Renewables and um, getting academics involved and all these, and NGOs, all these different perspectives to come together and say, we're all trying to achieve the same thing so let's actually do it together so that's what we've been doing we launched quick officially at the end of March this year um a, a, a relatively big event actually in Glasgow I think it probably ended up bigger than we expected and then what we've been doing now is is really trying to recruit people to join us and make this happen so you know in those few months since March we've had over 40 organizations um, sign up to um, to join us and, and to be part of, of making this change happen. And I think, you know, if you look at, at that, it's pretty rare that I guess the, the private sector and academia off their own back comes together to build something brand new because they want to be sustainable and they think there's economic, environmental and social value from doing so, but it's happening, right? Um, so we've got, you know, we gladly have our direct competitors working with us. And that's, I don't know, I think that's probably why I'm most proud of it because from my perspective on sustainability, I think the, one of the things that frustrates me the most is this idea that there's some competitive advantage in the quantification or, or doing these things all separately and in our own little black boxes when actually, you know, if we all work, together there's like we can grow the pie and there's plenty to go around yeah but we need yeah. to actually work together and until that happens and we start focusing on the right things and where there genuinely can be competitive advantage then we're just wasting time that we don't have um so yeah quick is still early stages but i think it represents a bit of a shift in mentality hopefully and the creation of something that's if we manage to pull it off is is here to stay and and here to contribute to you know genuinely good jobs decarbonization reduce waste all these good things together it's a bit of a 
a no-brainer when it comes to circularity, but just one we've maybe not focused on as much we should have for a long time. I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. So I know a little bit about that story, obviously, because um, I was helping facilitate that yeah. one of those events. That was, but that wasn't the launch event, was it? Back in no, so that, uh, that was, was the first, second yeah. event, sort of. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, basically sort of bringing that sort of initial group of people who were interested coming together. Mm-hmm. It was about so I think it's about sort of sixty or so people in the room, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you more I did a brilliant job. <laughs> At the end of the workshop that we ran for Quick, a number of people asked our advice about facilitating these kinds of events. So we recorded an episode to explain the activities we used and the thinking behind our approach. The episode is called How to Facilitate a Workshop, a Case Story for Sustainability Managers. And there's a link in the show notes. I think it was really really inspiring hearing from so many people, you know, talking about why they were there, why they thought it was important. You know, obviously it has to stack up financially and all the rest of it, but it was really coming through quite clearly in my mind anyway. I yeah. am perhaps prejudiced to hear this. <laughs> yeah, say, maybe know, a bit biased we're doing too. This, we're, doing this because, you know, it's, we're doing it because it's important and we've got to yeah. find out how to make it work rather than, you know, Exa- we're yeah, doing no, it because there's an opportunity here, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's this kind of brilliant, um, you know, like we're, we're delivering these dual outcomes of, you know, something that is genuinely the right thing to do for all these different reasons, but also can offer a commercial benefit to, to companies as well. Yeah. And you kind of think, well, you know, how can, how can you say no to that, right? If it's, you know, what we found with working with renewable parts is, so it's actually all stemmed out of um, us getting your gears. In case you're wondering, the your in your gears is spelt Y-A-W. So a yaw gear essentially enables a turbine to to move around, to either move into the wind or out of the wind, depending on what's needed. Um, at that time and depending on wind speeds and what we found was essentially that um a few years ago there was a shortage of them so we weren't able to get them for i think it was about a three-year wait time for your gears and now this is something that if a your gear breaks there's there'd usually be about i think it's eight per turbine so if a your gear breaks then you can't operate your turbine right and that's a significant you know loss in in revenue you're not generating renewable power which means it needs to be supplemented by a different type of um, electricity onto the grids so you know 
good reasons to, to get that back on as quickly as possible. And what we found was that was really kind of what drove the relationship with renewable parts in the first place. So we started to work with them. And over time, what we found was we could buy our yaw gears from Loch Gilpid in Scotland, a small town in Scotland, instead of getting them shipped over brand new from, uh, I think it's Bologna they come from. And as well as, as obviously supporting a, a local business, buying the refurbished version was was cheaper. There was absolutely no, um, you know, like in terms of the quality control checks and everything like that, the exact same, you know, these these pieces have been kind of re-engineered and um, evaluated and tested by by renewable parts. There's a reduction in, in waste because obviously um, they're not, you know, if we have a broken yogi or we send it back to renewable parts, it doesn't get sent to scrap. It's carbon saving. You know, Renewable Parts are a wonderful local company that employs local apprentices and, and graduates and people from the local area. And then you're also not to that point around, you know, we've got finite resources. So you're not extracting brand new, you know, minerals, metals, whatever else um, as well. So, yeah, we, we kind of yeah set up this this relationship. Now we're able to get your gears in a month. So the wait time is a month instead of it be a year now if we had to wait for buying brand new. So 11 months of more, yeah. you know, more generation as well, which is, yeah, kind of almost one of the most important things as well. So it's this, I guess, the start of a relationship. And now what we're looking to do is to extend that further. And and actually, you know, we've got this wonderful um engineer within our asset management team who I mean he just the way he thinks is it's wonderful just one of these kind of creative um problem solvers um but he essentially has worked with renewable parts to actually re-engineer solutions so that the yogis stop breaking so often in the first place and it's that kind of genuine collaborative relationship that yeah you you don't get every day so um yeah, yeah so what's been, I mean what's um it's really easy to sit around, whether it's in a boardroom or in the pub, and come up with a great idea of we're going to change the industry by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. <laughs> and a circular economy, like yeah, brilliant. But okay, yeah, so you, you, you've not quite got you've not quite got there yet. But you're not definitely yet. making progress. You're bringing people on board. There's excitement. There's an energy. There's a momentum. I, you know, I can really feel that in the room. I hope, I hope stuff's been moving on since then. Um, but what has you know, what's from your point of view, what's enabled that? to turn into something for real rather than remaining, you know, a statement, you know, a mission statement and nothing really happens. What's driving it forward? Yeah, probably it's that, you know, this is genuinely, this was a genuine gap, you know, it was something like there is a definite gap in the market for a solution. And you can hear, you know, you sometimes hear in the energy industry, people talking about local content and this idea that, you know, we've missed our opportunity for manufacturing, you know, building manufacturing capabilities within Scotland or the UK. I think if you rethink things for a second, then there's still massive opportunities. You know, our industry is still in its infancy and these assets are going to be around for a very long time so let's think about that supply chain that can exist and can be built for that operational period as well as for the upfront manufacturing which is of course very important I think the the core part of getting people on board is that this is something that everyone wanted they just didn't know how to do it and then I guess we just got on and, and started to do it and we haven't worked out we don't know exactly how we're going to do it but you know we have I think 
it feels like we've got the right partners involved. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a group of of individuals and organisations and, and the National Manufacturing Institute Scotland has been wonderful as well. You know, you've got different perspectives. You've got University of Strathclyde given, given us these, you know, access to research findings. You've got renewable parts. You have that direct experience of working, of, you know, seeing the demand, right? And, you know, a company like Renewable Parts is growing at, at some rate because they can see the demand there. And then you've got a company like Issy Renewables, a large business that's calling for you know, for this product, which doesn't quite exist yet in the supply chain. So I think it almost across those different groups, you could see that there was something out there that, that we didn't have yet. And the, yeah, it was a, a gap, right? And we, and we filled the gap and that's the easiest way. It's that necessity breeds innovation, right? So we needed it and now we're going to do it. Isn't that a great story? And of course, it's just the beginning for the Coalition for Wind Industry Circularity. What you've just heard is only the first half of my conversation with Kate. In the next episode, we shift topic to focus on one of the other big challenges facing Kate and the renewables industry. Before we close here, though, I'd like to pull out some of the threads that most struck me about how Kate and her collaborators across the industry are going about developing a circular economy for the sector. First, there's a real recognition that reducing resource use is the right thing to do. Not just from Kate, but I know from the people at the workshop that there was a real sense that this is a genuinely important initiative that people really care about. There's a real emotional engagement with the issue. Secondly, but like Bob Gordon said in the last episode, by itself, emotion isn't enough. You need a robust business case. And here, there was a really compelling business case due to the supply chain issues directly affecting revenue. And thirdly, People often say we don't need any emotional buy-in. The business case by itself is enough. Well, that's true up to a point in some circumstances. But if Kate and others behind Quick hadn't been emotionally committed to this, I strongly suspect the project wouldn't have gone beyond remanufacturing the your gears. As it is, their commitment and vision is building on this technical fix to create a collaboration that could radically reduce resource use and have a range of social and economic benefits right across the industry. And fourthly, collaboration is at the heart of this initiative and will be essential to its success. And for collaboration to work, there needs to be a real sense of shared purpose and a high level of trust. This was very much in our minds when Morag and I were creating the workshop for Quick. We gave a lot of thought to hosting the event in ways that helped people who hadn't been involved in the initial discussions, not just to see the business benefits, but to also feel this was something they really wanted to be part of. And finally, this initiative really shows the importance of having tangible, practical things that you can get working on together right away and that deliver real results quickly. In this case, the focus on remanufacturing and extending the life of your gears. In the next episode, you'll hear more from Kate about collaboration when she talks about how industry-wide collaboration is going to be essential to tackle biodiversity in the renewable sector. I'm Osbert Lancaster, and I hope this episode of Leadership for Sustainability will help you lead on sustainability in your organisation. What you're doing is so important, now more than ever. Be sure to look after yourself. Bye for now. <laughs>